Support for this podcast comes from Davis Malm. If you're a buyer, seller, investor, or lender, Davis Malm attorneys know each deal has unique needs and requirements. Building client relationships one transaction at a time. More at davismalm.com. D-A-V-I-S-M-A-L-M.com. WBUR Podcast, Boston. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Common. WBUR education reporter Max Larkin, you're back. I'm back. Oh, man. So glad to have you, Max. Last time you were here, we talked about the controversy on Harvard's campus since Hamas's October 7th attack. Donors and alumni felt the university was not doing enough to address rising reports of anti-Semitism on campus. And Harvard's first black president, Claudine Gay, just months into her tenure, was called to join other presidents from University of Pennsylvania and MIT to testify at a congressional hearing about how they're addressing anti-Semitism on their campuses. Am I doing good so far? You are so far so good. Yep. Okay. Now, these presidents, they were grilled pretty hard, uh, mainly by Republican lawmakers. That's that right. Fair? Yeah. They, they've got the gavel in the house, you know? Okay. And I think it's safe to say the hearing did not go too well for these university presidents. No, in retrospect, you wonder... What would have happened if they said, I'm busy that day? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's mainly because none of them would give a clear answer on whether students calling for the genocide of Jews violates their conduct policies. That's right. I mean, basically, this was Elise Stefanik, a Harvard alumna, mm-hmm. a Trump-aligned Republican lawmaker from New York. And she sort of said these common chants about from the river to the sea Mm -hmm. or intifada, they imply genocidal desires. Mm -hmm. This is hotly contested. I don't think a single pro-Palestinian protester thinks that's what they're chanting for Mm -hmm. that I have met. Mm -hmm. But it created a sort of slippery, shaky terrain on which these presidents had to say, we condemn those chants and that implication but they wanted to to resist saying we will definitely punish anyone who uses them. Right. So with that, the lawmakers did not find that to be their answer satisfactory. No. And immediately the Republican leadership of that committee, including Stefanik, come out and say these people should all lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. That answer was completely inadequate. And I don't think there's anybody who thinks that was a particularly good way to answer the question. Right. One of them actually did resign. Liz That's, McGill from yep. the University of Pennsylvania. Yes, she did resign. However, MIT and Harvard have stuck with their presidents so far. But we are here to talk with you about Harvard's president, Claudine Gay, who has the support of the board at Harvard. What can you tell us about Harvard's decision? Yeah, It did feel a little bit as though Gay was kind of on thin ice uh, for several days. Uh, There was a scheduled meeting just this past weekend for Harvard's governing boards. There are two, and the more powerful of them picks the president and then decides if she has to go as the Harvard Corporation. 
And then in the wee hours of, I think, Tuesday morning, they released this statement saying she has our unanimous support in the first paragraph. You know, she's the leader who can help us heal and all of that. But they also said the Hamas attacks weren't good. She has apologized for her testimony. Yeah, that's the situation there. How are people on campus responding? You know, students, the college community on the ground. So right off the bat, when it looked like her job was in danger, you had some 700 faculty members quickly sign a petition. These are not people who move quickly, typically, Daryl, but I think they understood that there was a crisis uh, going on. And they didn't want their president, who had been the dean of the Faculty of Arts and Sciences, to be basically forced out by outside political pressure. And I do think the situation was always less dire on campus than off. You know, all throughout these sort of uncertain days, there were real wells of support for gay on campus. Uh, A colleague of mine talked to Sia Rondeau, who's a staff member at Harvard. They have a Jewish father and lots of Arab-American friends, and they generally stood by gay all throughout. I feel as though... As a person who's straddling those two worlds and also in my own spaces having to be really thoughtful, um, President Gay has been nothing but what I would want to look up to as a leader um, in those predicaments, especially. That being said, Daryl, of course, there are people, particularly, uh, you know, Jewish campus leaders who have said, you know, we are coming to doubt Gay's ability to make Jewish students feel safe hmm. on this campus. And there, there's going to be some trust to rebuild there. Yeah, Max, that's interesting. You say that because I'm thinking... Claudine Gay just dodged the bullet, right? What does that mean moving forward? Do you see a a, a tightening of uh, student speech? What can we expect? I think it's it's really going to be interesting because I think there's a chance of a real chill. Mm -hmm. Like I spoke to some faculty who signed that letter who were intrigued by this 1967 example we may have discussed before, this Vietnam-era report that Mm -hmm. said universities basically shouldn't say anything. Yeah anything at all. And maybe we should go back to that. So if you make a statement, you inevitably exclude people. Right. But not everybody's on board with that. I spoke to Amir Maharib, who's a professor at the Harvard Medical School and a practicing physician in the area. He's been really supportive of the pro-Palestinian protests, and he hopes that Gay continues to stand up for what he says is right. My hope is that the takeaway from this from, from her and the leadership is really one to say that we should be holding on as strongly as possible to the principles of free speech and really protecting the the students who have been the most attacked in the last couple of months, which is, in my opinion, clearly those who have been calling for, for human rights for Palestinians. Now, like with anything with this, Daryl, of course, people debate who's had the toughest time in the last yeah. two months. But Maharab makes the case, and I think compellingly, that it was... Unfortunately, tragically, three Palestinian students who were shot up in Burlington, Vermont, one of them Mm -hmm. paralyzed. And, you know, there are talks of brandished knives, doxing, lost jobs for a whole array of mostly Arab, Muslim, black, brown students who've stood up for Palestine in the last few months. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. 
but pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair. A new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. And we're back with more from Max Larkin. What about addressing these reports of anti-Semitism and the backlash felt by those with pro-Palestinian stances on campus? Uh, Yeah, just how do you see the university handling that now? I think in some ways, Claudine Gay is already committed, even in the Harvard Corporation statement unanimously backing her, they said she is going to act on anti-Semitism. So we have every reason to expect that there will probably be something like a website, a training, a series maybe of statements, some sort of public education about the very real history of Jewish hatred, Jewish exclusion at the school. They mm-hmm. were held back by quotas until 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's it's a dark and very real history. Yeah. At the same time, it does feel as though as this war goes on, it is not popular. The images that come out of the war zone are quite brutal and they inspire protest, as I think any war in in recent memory has on college campuses. Yep. So, as you said, she dodged a bullet, but she's not in the safe zone yeah, yet. I was driving through Cambridge the other day and saw four trucks with her face on it saying, it's time to resign. And this was after. And they were headed to her home to park outside and idle there. Hmm. And it's just a lot to put up with. And you wonder how much patience she has um, with this kind of sort of public shaming and humiliation. Yeah. Well, what does that mean for those protesting on behalf of Palestinians? I think there are still going to be pressures on her to rein that in, in other words. It's clear that some of those students have already been punished, whether it was for an alleged altercation at one protest or for occupying a building. A handful of Jewish students at Harvard did that for 24 hours, occupied a a university administrative building. Thank you. We should be clear that the students who are protesting on behalf of uh, Palestinians some of them are Jewish. Oh, 100%. Yeah, here and and nationwide. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that's where we run into trouble saying, you know, to protest is per se anti-Semitic because there's yeah. a lot of Jewish participation. But I think one thing that came up 
and I think it got at something, was a sense that there was a double standard, that, you know, students have been punished for posting kind of right-wing provocative memes. Some of them were even excluded from the school after having been admitted. Mm -hmm. Others, you know, faced reprisals or or some kind of condemnation for using the wrong pronouns or what we've come to call sort of racial or religious microaggressions. I spoke to Jeffrey Flyer, who's also a professor at the medical school, and he's co-president of Harvard's relatively new Council on Academic Freedom. And Flyer says he's a sort of a free speech first person up to a point. But he's wary of sort of double standards that he sees in this process. So he says, if you get punished for the wrong pronouns, misgendering, or an unwitting microaggression, it looks a little weird if students who are chanting these supposedly violent chants get off scot-free. You cannot have that kind of limitation on speech and at the same time wonder about the context of speech that may be calling for what some view as genocide, whether it is or, or is not calling for genocide is a serious debate that is still, you know, open for discussion. So I think that will be an interesting thing to watch there. I mean, this has so much become a part of a broader existing culture war. If we begin to accept that people can chant things that offend some people or make them feel threatened, does that mean that the other things that the universities have increasingly been trying to keep out, you know, sort of really strongly uh, Mm anti-woke kind of discourse, does that get to come in the door now too? Mm -hmm. Well, Max, to close it out, what kind of precedent did they just set for higher education with their decision to back and keep Claudine Gay as Harvard president? I think Harvard, with its, in some ways, deep natural conservatism, with its very deep pockets, you know, 50 billion plus, with its long, long and often unseemly history, it's hard to see them as the little guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But I do think it felt like a fever breaking a little bit when she kept her job. I think if Harvard's could be pushed to get rid of a president who, from one point of view, you know, misspoke, but didn't really radically harm anyone and was subject to extraordinary pressure, I think it does give you some hope that, you know, we can look past this. I mean, faculty and students have said, basically, they've come to a kind of deeper wisdom about things. You know, people can speak and say things that are maybe combative, maybe challenge, maybe strike our ear the wrong way. And that doesn't have to be the end of the world. We have to kind of push through that and try to reach some greater understanding. In fact, I had one professor tell me it's been a success at Harvard. They're they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know, Mm -hmm. putting competing viewpoints into dialogue and then trying to get something out of that fusion. I think that people who really do cherish freedom of speech, even when we don't like what's being said, you know, should maybe breathe a sigh of relief that Claudia and Kay kept her job because, yeah, if they can depose her, they can depose pretty much anyone. Well, Max, this has been an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much for coming through to The Common to talk with us. Thanks for having me. That's WBUR education reporter Max Larkin. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Common. If you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on Instagram at WBURTheCommon or send us an email at thecommon at WBUR.org. 
And now it is that time for me to let you know that The Common is produced by Caitlin Harrop and Franny Monahan. It's mixed by Emily Jankowski, Matt Reed, and Paul Vikas. And it's edited by Samatha Joshi and Ben Brock Johnson. And our theme music is me from Hisu. And from the newsroom of WBUR, I'm your host, Daryl C. Murphy. I'll talk to you soon.